0: Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. Now, I want you to think now of every scripture that you read when God was speaking. Was he making a promise or was he making good on it? Those are the only two options you have. When you read the word of God, he is either making the promise or you see where he's making good on the promise. Let's go a little bit deeper, because what I would like to suggest to you today is that we need to learn how to protect the promise. And if we don't protect the promise, the enemy will come in every time, blow our minds, knock us off of our square. Anybody ever play four square or two square or just square? (laughs) The enemy try to knock you off. He's not going to knock us off because we're going to learn how to protect the promises. Let's go to Second Corinthians, the first chapter. And I want to show you where Paul and Silas um, had an opportunity and Timothy. These are three guys that were sharing the gospel after Jesus had lived and died. The promise of the Holy Spirit had come and the church was at a place where it was developing. And the church was developing based on the promise of God, much of which many people could not comprehend or understand. So Paul, Silas and Timothy were commissioned by God to break open truths, much like your pastor or one of the elders or missionaries of the church to break open truth about the scriptures and about God. And it helps to bring us to a place of understanding, because how can we hear except there's a preacher and how can the preacher preach except they be sent? And that's how we really overcome is through the word being sent to us through a preacher or a teacher. So we see here where Paul and Silas are having an experience or a conversation where they are on a journey and they are on a journey to Corinth. They are going to talk to the people at Corinth. And that was one of the first places that Christianity was established. And so they're trying to um, make some amends to them because they were on their way to Macedonia and they had passed by stopped and they were going to stop on their way back. But instead he decided to write a letter to them. And it says this in verse number 12, it says, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. Our letters have been straightforward and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you cannot understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on the way on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way that we are proud of you. This is a letter of endearment to a group of people that he had taught on a regular basis how to live a Christian life. Sounds a lot like a pastor, doesn't it? Trying to say, I hope you get what I'm, under- I'm laying down. I hope you are comprehending what I'm saying. I love the fact that our church is multigenerational and even our children and our young people can comprehend the message. I've had children come up to me and give me a better, uh, a better response to what the message was than some of the adults because they were listening. So, so if you're listening, are you understanding? And if you're understanding, are you truly comprehending? But think about this. Paul was writing and it wasn't out of a frustration, but this letter could easily be mistaken as a rebuke to them because he's saying, wait, 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 wait. Don't forget what we've taught you and what we've said to you, because there is a message of hope in this. And it's not for our own good. It's not just for me. I wouldn't pass a group of people that that I would just I I just have to I just got to do this. I just got to. No, I want to do this is what God called me to do. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be a burden for you to even, I gotta go to church. I show, I gotta go to church. Pray for me because I notice I'm dragging because I gotta go to church. It should be such a joy to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise to be thankful unto him and to bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That'll be you, your mama, and your kids. And so when you stop and think about how God has already orchestrated this plan, People like Paul writing this letter reminds us of where we might have come short, but also encourages us to set the goal or the standard high. The next verse says, since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. He said, when I came through, I heard that things were going really well. But since I have been where I am now, I heard that you didn't quite get it. I heard that you guys were murmuring amongst each other. I heard that there was some discord between you and a few other people. I heard that people were questioning whether or not God's promises were true or not. And there were people among the believers that were questioning. Did God really say that they're going to pay that building off? Did God really say that there was a church to send people to the nations? Did God really say that there was going to be leaders that came out from among them and there's going to be an impact known around the world from this portal? There were people questioning what it was that God promised, not what Paul promised, not what Timothy promised, not what Sylvanus or Silas is his name, not not what they promised. It was what God promised. And he started out in that earlier verse by simply saying, I only told you what God told me to tell you. You see, if I'm guilty of telling you something that I wanted you to know, then God will judge it. But if I am guilty of only telling you what God told me to tell you, you better judge that, whether or not it's an amen-worthy statement standard. Because the standard of godliness, the standard of righteousness, the standard of holiness is not a construct that I come up with on my own or that a pastor comes up with. The standard of you shouldn't do this and God wants us to live these types of lives, that's not what the pastor or the church comes up with. The old mothers of the church didn't come up with holiness. It was not a dress code or decorum. It's the standard of God's righteousness. And when we think about it, if we have a relationship with God, we got we got the standard. We know exactly where the limits are. We shouldn't even have to ask. We shouldn't even have to ask, is this acceptable? Is this okay? Have you ever seen a kid doing something and they know they were on the borderline and they kept looking back like, is, is it okay for me to do this? Until they crossed the line and then they got snatched up in, in place. Don't let God will, God will. Can you imagine God just, well, he didn't do it like that. Instead, he did it like this. He did it like this. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, they should do an emoji for this, that Jesus died for that. Yeah. Think about this. Okay. so what else does it say here? He says, first on my way to Macedonia and again, when I returned from Macedonia, then you could send me on my way to Judea. He said I was going to stop on my way there and then on my way back and then I go to Judea. He said, you may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one who Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you, and as God Ultimate, yes, he always does what he says. Verse 20, what does that say? Read it with the same power you read those other verses with. What does that say? For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ, for the now being yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, and I send it to God for his glory. So So he was sharply saying to them, You might speculate my motives, but don't second-guess God. If Jesus said it, it's going to happen. And when you know what Jesus said, not what you want, we've already distinguished the difference between that, right? When we know what the Word of God says concerning a certain situation, we can stand on it because the answers to everything that's in God's will is yes and amen, not maybe or yeah, but... I can ask questions in this room. I can take a microphone, bring it to everybody, and say, "Are you saved and do you love Jesus?" Yes, but, but what? Yes, but I'm struggling. Yes, but I I have a habit. Yes, but I'm 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 doing the best I can with what I got. Yes, you know I'm I'm fair to middling. Yes, I'm you know. God is not halfway. He's an all or nothing kind of God. Either you're all in or you're all out. Even though it's just your back half showing. You got that before, right? Even though the front looks good, but on your way out, it's like, no, he's uncovered. She don't even know that she's not even covered. She has no idea. She spewed her opinion. He has told what he thought. He chopped down everything that's been taught to to bite-sized pieces. But God's not like that. God is not going to waver back and forth between when it feels good and when it doesn't, when it works for you and when it doesn't work for you. If God said, come to church every day for seven days, what would you say? I gotta go to work. But if God said, come to church every day for seven days, those who will not stagger at the promises of God won't say, oh well, there goes my vacation because God said. But haven't we just learned that oftentimes we make the mistake of confusing what God said with what somebody else said. We don't know how to to delineate between the voice of God and the voice of a person. Sometimes when we love a person and we trust them, they are God. And then as soon as they violate our trust or as soon as we don't feel the love that we need to feel in the magnitude that we need to feel it, then that's just not God. That is not God. You see how we vacillate? I say we. I'm guilty of that as well. People I've trusted, people who I've depended on, people who I've relied on to be there through thick and thin forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Did I say ever and ever? They're no longer there. They're not in that spot. They're not, they're not there. God didn't change. They did. But God promised me. Or did you just desire real long and hard and strong and so we've got to learn, like, like Paul's trying to teach here, that God doesn't waver. And he uses himself as an example. He says, I know I said I was coming back on my way from Macedonia, on my way to Judea, but I had to change my plans. And I want you to know that I wasn't being wishy-washy in this process, because just as God lives, his promises are yes and amen, and I'm trying to live that same way. How many want to live that same way to where when you make a commitment, you want to keep it? You make a vow, you want to stay firm to it. When you said that that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. So we have to come to that place. 17th verse says, you might be asking this, and that's why, that's why I, I wanted to bring it to your attention before we drop, drop down um, to verse number 20. He says, you may be asking why I changed my plan. There's people that question a whole lot of stuff that they haven't even made up their mind they was going to do anyway. Well, what time is it? But well, you said it was going to be at one o'clock. Now it's at two o'clock. If it changed to three o'clock, if you committed, you're going to be there. I mean, at least that's I'm talking the God way. we got to learn how to protect the promises, because if we don't commit and keep the promises that we've made, that makes us wishy washy and we're not like God because God's not wishy washy in any way. So if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I said I'm going to do it, but I can't right now, then I better get to doing so that I can make good on my promise. If I said I'm going to live saved until I die, I ain't dying. So I got to keep living saved. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's an option. You know? Nope. <laughs> How many want to live this thing out all the way, all the way? First, number two, it says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding, what's that word? And there's no confusion as to what that word means. In a court of law, if you are required to answer the question yes or no, there's no room for qualifications at all. Just yes or no, check one please. You don't get to go maybe, it depends. It's just yes or no. Do you love God? Yes. Do you wanna go to heaven? Yes. Are you living everything that God has told you to live? The number decreased. What happened? Could it be that we're not sure? (laughs) You can say yes there, right? Could it be? He said, yes, I'm unsure. (laughs) Hmm. What happens is that we get mixed signals oftentimes because we put our expectations on the table when God has made clear what is expected from us. He expects us to live right to get the outcome. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Not those who vacillate and decide to go do their own thing and come back when they get tired. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. He didn't say trot, skip, jump, or hula hoop. He says they shall run and not grow weary. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of grace for the nation's church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-974. Nine one two eight. Our mission here at Grace for the Nations Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.